Stevenson to the outside, they score! From the left wing circle, Jack Eichel makes it 2-0 Vegas. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Carlson for Stone in front, he scores! Five two nights, Mark Stone, two goals, one assist, three points. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Six down, let's drop the puck on hour number two of the VGK Insider Show, getting ready to really sink our teeth into what will happen in game four between the Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers, coming off a great response from Vegas with a star-studded offensive performance in the midst of more goalie drama with Lauren Brassois leaving for Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill is now the starter. Jonathan Quick moves up, and I assume Yuri Patera becomes the third guy in the stable of goaltenders of the Vegas Golden Knights, which is nothing new, considering they started four different goaltenders four games in a row and won all four earlier this year. They've been used to that. If you missed out on Bruce Cassidy in hour number one, listen to the podcast. He was great from Edmonton. John Shannon stopped by to give his thoughts on what happened both with the series and uh, discussing the incident with ESPN Sports Center anchor John Anderson making a comment regarding Zach Whitecloud's last name during highlights of Sports Center last night and uh, just talking about uh, how the media fits into all of this. Uh, that's all in the podcast on hour number one. We'll get to the Zach uh, response in just a second, mm. but the offensive performance by the Golden Knights. I think it surprised a lot of people who are coming into this series as the marquee second round set. It it sure has. And I, I think, you know, obviously you you've seen a lot of reactions individual to individual games so far through the through the three, but to to be completely honest with you, I, I look at the Golden Knights and this is not really anything we haven't seen before. This is a team that can score goals in a lot of different ways. They can score in bunches in certain situations. And, I mean, it was on full display last night. You have Jonathan Marcheseau crashing the net for his goals. You have Jack Eichel, just an all-world play, picking up the puck with a head of steam and and causing havoc with his shot. Then you've got Zach Whitecloud jumping in. Great read, great play, fantastic shot. And that's the thing when it comes to the Golden Knights. You, you, you might be able to shut down Mark Stone, Chandler Stevenson for a game, but then that just leaves room for Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marcheseau and, and Zach Whitecloud and, and to pick a name to come through and, and elevate their game and find the back of the net. And that's what depth has done all year for Vegas. Two things. One, they didn't score first again. No. Had to answer back. And they did so relatively quickly. Took uh, two shifts uh, last night and they were able to even the score and then roll. Unfazed, even in a hostile environment like uh, Edmonton and Rogers Place, they were full marks for that. Number two, the second period continues to be a high-performance period for the Vegas Golden Knights, which is further proof. And next year, when we get into the conversation, what's happening in the second period? Is it a long change, whatever? Uh, why aren't they not scoring as much where their goal differential isn't as much? Uh, I'm just going to point to this. Like, there's no rhyme or reason on the second period. <laughs> it was a bugaboo during the regular season, certainly the first half. It right now is a strength. And they, I'm guaranteeing you, haven't changed a thing in really uh, what they've done throughout the uh, throughout the process. So that's just one of those weird stats that uh, that 
leave you wondering if there's more to it, and there's not. Like, uh, like, like you know, winning at winning at home versus winning on the road versus finding different situations where um, y- you have some numbers to understand what is going on. Sometimes it's just hockey and the Golden Knights, their ability to to really kind of pace themselves or, or outpace the opposition in the second period has been a, a welcome situation here in the playoffs and, and something that fans are loving. Big win for the Vegas Golden Knights on a night that they get their first goal from a defenseman in the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, courtesy of Zach Whitecloud, who goes short side shelf for his first of the postseason. And who knew that that great moment would be undone after uh, highlights that aired on ESPN Sports Center last night, in which anchor John Anderson made a comment that he intended to be funny but was uh, disrespectful. He's owned it. He's apologized. He and Zach have talked uh, about things, but uh, it really did cast a a uh, shadow uh, over what was supposed to be a marvelous moment for both the Vegas Golden Knights and Zach Whitecloud. And uh, he is a proud, proud person, uh, indigenous heritage uh, from just outside of Brandon. And uh, he addressed the media today in a very emotional reaction. I just want to start by saying I had a conversation with John this morning um, at the rink here. Uh, He offered... um, his apology um, and explained uh, his his uh, side of, of uh, obviously what occurred last night. Um, it was uh, obviously I think an attempt at um, humor that uh, came out as being obviously insensitive, um, and he acknowledges that he understands that you know it was wrong to say. Um, and uh, again, I I wanted to uh, make sure that he knew that you know I accepted his apology. And, and uh, people make mistakes, um, and this is a scenario where uh, not not just um, you know John, but I think every everyone can learn from uh, and and move forward um, in a positive direction. Uh, and obviously try and try and be better for uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm proud of my culture I'm proud of, of where I come from where I was raised um, who I was raised by uh, I carry my grandfather's last name and I'm, nothing makes me more proud than to, to be able to do that uh, so and I was raised and our culture were raised to to be the first ones to reach out uh, and offer our help. Uh, so that's why I reached out to John this morning and um, wanted to make sure that uh, he understood that, uh, that I understood that people make mistakes and, and uh, he acknowledges that. He's, willing, he's moving forward, trying to move forward in the right direction and, and be better from it. Um, and I think, obviously, it's something that we can all learn from and, and move forward, uh, again, in, in, in the right direction. And obviously, I, I, I don't want to be in front of you, all you guys talking about this. And, um, but with that comes an opportunity to allow not just John and, and myself, but everyone to learn from this incident, to, to move forward and, and make sure that these things don't, don't happen again. Um, and, and 
I just want to make that point clear too. John, John recognizes that, and he um, obviously was, I believe he was sincere in his apology, and um, I just wanted to reiterate to him that I was going to be the first person to reach out my hand and offer uh, just to offer help because uh, people make mistakes, right? And, and uh, it's just a time for everyone to learn. Zach Whitecloud, a very emotional meeting with the media today in response to the situation that involved an ESPN Sports Center anchor, John Anderson, uh, making some comments uh, about his name uh, during a highlight package last night. Uh, that's his name. The comment's uh, not appropriate. You uh, add in the uh, heritage, the Indigenous uh, background for Zach Whitecloud, it takes on an even steeper meaning uh, for Zach and uh, and his life and, uh, and his... Um, history uh with his with his family and his father and his grandfather and, and where they come from uh very classy but extremely taxing on an off day yeah you're you're absolutely right i mean it's it's a tough situation and, and as john shannon mentioned right like he he handled the entire situation a situation that he didn't ask for that he did nothing wrong in um that he had to in this in this moment kind of address as you mentioned on on an off day um, and, and did it with absolute class, and then uh, that's not anything we aren't used to when it comes to Zach Whitecloud. I, I don't think that there's a player in the league I respect more. Um, he is just salt of the earth and fantastic. And I, I can, I, I can just say that, as John John Shannon said earlier, he's, he's a much better man than I am. Great stuff from uh, Zach Whitecloud. Uh, just uh, being so. Uh, valuable to John Anderson, who's going through uh, and and made his own bed in this situation, but uh, obviously uh, going through a, a challenging period himself. And uh, Zach just uh, is, is perfect in every regard, including scoring the goal last night, which put him on the highlights uh, to begin with. The first goal by a Vegas Golden Knights defenseman, and here's former National Hockey League a defenseman, Jeff Sharples, who joins us uh, periodically in the VGK Insider Show after a big win for the Vegas Golden Knights last night. Uh, were you surprised Surprised at the one-sidedness of Game Three. Well, hey, uh, Allard and Ryan, thanks for having me on. Um, I was, yeah, I, I have to say, I was a little surprised with how flat um, Edmonton was. But uh, a lot of times, you know, that's the making of the other team. And uh, Vegas puck management. I mean, I think we had a nickel for every time we heard puck management in the playoffs this year. We'd have a lot of nickels, but. Uh, their puck management and their decision making once they got into the game um, and it was was brilliant and uh, and really once they got through that first ten minutes um, they were uh, they were really lights out and just as good a road game as you could ask for. Could you have turned the other cheek like Alex Petrangelo did? <laughs> well, it's kind of funny you say that because you know our Evander Kane is well known to. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights fans, and he plays with an edge, and he's a really effective player when he's right on the border, but he's kind of gone over the line a little bit um, the last couple games, and last night, uh, they weren't able to make him pay on the power play. Normally, when you take a penalty like that, the other team finds a way to put it in your net, really rub it in. Vegas wasn't able to do that, but in the situation and the circumstances of the game, they they were in a really good spot, so they basically were able to run another 
couple minutes off the clock and, and just kind of keep it uh, low energy, uh, you know, it, uh, in the rink in Edmonton. See, I was, uh, I, I had this stance a, a year ago with two players in particular, Nazem Kadri and Evander Kane. They were both in situations with contracts and, and, and were really playing for their futures because they'd done things that had crossed the line in the past, and they were both able to do that. They're both very valuable uh, members uh, of their organizations. Now that, uh, now that they've got uh, some longevity with their, their contracts uh, and, and, uh, and term, uh, I wondered how it would turn out, and I, I saw a little bit of that lack of discipline that we were familiar with Evander Kane uh, in in the past last night. Yeah, the you know it's it's funny. I think Mess said it. Mark Messier might have said it on the broadcast last night, but I definitely heard it today. Is you normally find the teams that go the furthest in the playoffs, and the team that ultimately stand in there at the end, um, they usually have the most discipline. And what you saw last night, I mean, you know, in game two wasn't great. There was what VGK took six penalties, but um, the kind of penalties that Edmonton took last night um, are not the kind of penalties that bode well over a long series, I don't think, in longer term in the playoffs. So, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I, I really, to be quite honest with you, I don't know what to make of round two so far with some of what we're seeing um, and, and some of the, you know, the scores and, and some of the plays, but. I think uh, you'll start to see things start to really tighten up here over the next uh, game or two. And, and you know, if, if, if people are going to try and take liberties and send a message, um, it's probably going to end up uh, backfiring um, on them. Because, uh, as you saw last night, Petrangelo, he didn't like it. He gave him a shot back, but then kind of uh, knew he had to play, you know, 22 or 23 minutes last night and uh, got back to work. You know, you you talked about round number two, just kind of league-wide at this point, but in terms of of Vegas and Edmonton, it it almost feels like both of the teams, Vegas and Edmonton, cannot play well at the same time. Like when the Edmonton Oilers have the puck and they're in the offensive zone and they're uh, pretty dominant like they were in game number two, it really doesn't allow the Golden Knights to kind of hit their stride. And when Vegas holds on to the puck as they did in game number three, they're checking with their legs, they're not taking penalties. It really limits what the Edmonton Oilers do best. Is it possible to have both teams playing well in the same game? That's a great question, Ryan, because I was thinking about this today myself. I was like, I don't know if, if it's possible. I mean, we might have a really exciting game, but what the thing is with the Edmonton is you want to try and keep the genie in the bottle, right? I mean, if you let them get going and they turn it into the Autobahn, uh, then they love that chaotic style of hockey. The Fords love to cheat. They love to get on their front foot and try and you know get behind the D, and away they go. You know, in Vegas, conversely, they want to make it like it's I-15 and Tropicana at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. They want to clog up the neutral zone. I think that's the key to the series. Just for me, obviously, the power play, special teams is always a huge part of it. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I think you could have a really entertaining game. I think the game we go back to, which was uh, a Saturday night in Edmonton where uh, Vegas beat them, I believe, 4-3 in overtime, uh, in March or, or uh, might have been February, that both teams played well. And Vegas found a way to get on the other side of the, uh, you know, on the, on the upper hand. So, good question. The one thing that drives Edmonton, uh, and I know they're probably getting sick of hearing it, but their power play. And if you can limit their ability to get on the power play, which means you got to think with your feet, 
get moving, get, you know, get above them as, as the Knights uh, uh, talk about, but also what you'd like to do is the same thing they try and do to you on their power play. When you have the puck in their end, compress them. When you have it down below the hash marks goal line area, your D now can compress down on top of their forwards. And you, you know, and then when pucks do turn over, it's kind of like a mosh pit down there. There's lots of bodies around. So a lot of time the D don't have the time to make the play that they might want to play, uh, make. So they, you know, ring it up the boards or, or chip it to the middle and, and you can jump on that stuff because you compress the ice. Here's Jeff Sharples. Uh, he's a pilot with uh, Alaskan Airlines. And he's also a former National Hockey League uh, defenseman on the VGK Insider Show. When was the last time you were in a mosh pit? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just use that word. I try and use those $10 words for you every once in a while. But <laughs> I would uh, I'd probably have to go back to the Pacific Coliseum in ah. Vancouver or, or BC Place at a U2 concert way back in the day. I try to avoid all that kind of contact now because... Uh, you know, I don't want anything to do with it. So, uh, yeah, it's been a while, I would have to say, if ever. And don't think I didn't catch you dropping a mess reference <laughs> earlier and then yeah. correcting yourself saying Mark Messier. But you and mess being so tight. Well, hey, I do go back with mess a long way. So uh, back in my younger days, just so I, you'd, you'd like to call me out when I use nicknames <laughs> for guys once in a while, but I can actually use one for mess. Because when I was part of a deal that got traded to Edmonton, yes, my first day in Edmonton, uh, the guy phone rings in the hotel at the Forum Inn, the fabulous Forum Inn in Edmonton. Oh my goodness, that's a great line. Yeah, <laughs> you got you. You haven't lived until you've been at the Forum yes. Inn, but at least it was the show. And uh, I get a call, and it's Mess. Hey, Sharps. And he says, Mark Messi, I'm coming to pick you up, taking you to practice. I'm like, what? So I get in the car and, and uh, it's like I'd known Mess his whole life and, and uh, just I can't say enough about the kind of person he is and of course what kind of player he is, everybody knows that. So uh, he's just as good a person as he is a player. So there you go, Ballard. <laughs> who, who, uh, who is in that trade? Okay, so it's Jimmy Carson and uh, Kevin McClellan for um, uh, Joe Murphy, Peter Klima, uh, and rest in peace, we lost Peter yeah. last week. Uh, Adam Graves, myself, and there might have been some draft picks um, uh, involved. And so Jimmy Carson had come up from L.A. Uh, in the Gretzky trade, and uh, Detroit really wanted to get him. He was a Detroit kid. He was a high-scoring player. And, of course, Ken McClellan was as tough as they come. So they traded those guys, uh, those two for us, and um, and uh, the rest, as they say, is, is history. But... Uh, that's how I got to meet Mark Messier so, other than playing against him. So you got to be, you're part of the Wayne Gretzky trade tree. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. Pretty cool. And uh, one other thing is uh, once in a while you'll see me for about 30 seconds on ESPN Classic as I Gretz passes it between me, in between my legs to Bernie Nichols and back and everybody else that played for the Kings because uh, the Red Wings, first uh, Gretz's first game in L.A. was against the Red Wings. So we were... We were out in California for 12 days before the start of the season, and I don't have to tell you how that game went. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Sharples with us on the VGK Insider Show. You know, uh, resiliency is, is a word that we've used quite a bit this season when it comes to the Golden Knights, and, and obviously they, they lose Lauren Brossois early in that game, game number three. Aiden Hill comes in. We've seen five goaltenders deep. This Golden Knights team still finds ways to win. Like How, how do you kind of 
explain how the Golden Knights don't really miss a beat, don't really find these challenges to be something that derails them. They just kind of roll with the punches, and it's it's helped them to amass this 2-1 series lead over the Oilers. I think it comes down to structure and system. Um, either way you want to put those. And, and, and so one of the things that I think that uh, the VGK got when they got Coach Cassidy is he came from the Eastern Conference, and... Those games out there, you know, are 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 tight checking. Uh, I think most people would agree that overall the Eastern Division is maybe conference is a little bit uh, better than than out west right now. That's not to say that the teams that are left are not full marks because they are, and I think any one of them could go on to win the cup. But I think what you've seen is a structure and an identity of a team and a, a knowing of what your teammate is going to do and what your responsibilities are. A lot of times you'll get breakdowns because of miscommunication. They've done a really good job of eliminating a lot of the miscommunication here this year. Um, and the goaltending, these guys have all come in, and, and if it's whether it's their first chance or second chance, um, to just grab the bull by the horns. And it started with Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. These guys, you know, Logan Thompson uh, kind of, Came in at the end of last year, did some really good things, and then this year he's he's just he took off before injuries. Aiden Hill the same. Laurent Bossois comes in, does the same thing. Patera, and then Jonathan Quick, the consummate professional Stanley Cup champion, comes in, and you know all these guys just I think they know what to expect in front of them, and and I think there's also uh, from the coaching staff they they stay on point, like they stay on the nights. And Gary, you know Gary Lawless has said it. The Knights had a tendency to maybe be a little bit stubborn at times in the way they wanted to play, but you see in game one and in game three, when they play the way that uh, Butchie wants them to play and the coaching staff is, is coaching the play in that system, they can be really effective. And the other thing they do is they roll four lines in 6D. And, you know, when you got all those guys pulling the same direction, that, that's a lot for another team to take on. Jeff Sharples chatting with us on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. The importance of Jonathan Marcheseau scoring a couple of goals is what? The importance of Marshy scoring a couple is whenever they always need a big goal, he's a guy over the years that seems to be able to uh, be able to light the lamp for them. And, uh, you know, the, he got going last night. I don't even know how he got, I, I don't know if it was first or second one on that pass from, it was his second one from, Eichel, that was just, that was all world. I, I still don't know how he got a stick on that and how Eichel got that puck in there, but that's what he can do. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's uh, a glue guy for the organization in our city. And, you know, I looked at him and I just was thinking, you know, who's coming next, right? Well, I don't think Riley Smith's too far away from putting one or two in himself. And I always like Smith's game, no matter whether he's scoring or not. So, yeah. Marshy uh, finds a way to always be relevant at the biggest times, and last night was huge. You see that shot in the third period where he was on the bench and he had a smile on his face? That, that <laughs> told me a lot uh, about where, where he was at last night. Because you don't see players, even if things are going good, smiling during a Stanley Cup playoff game, and it just felt like there was a weight off his shoulders. Yeah, I think all those guys, I mean... You know, we talked about uh, Jack Eichel uh, before the start of the playoffs, and you know what? 
how it would go. And, and, you know, once, you know, same thing, you start, you start getting in and you get a feel for it. You got to enjoy the pleasures in the journey. And once in a while, it's okay to smile and, and, you know, and, and, and enjoy the accomplishment accomplishments of your team and, and what's going on. And, uh, you know, last night, um, you know, Eichel and Marshall, uh, were, were spot on. Uh, they were in the face of the Oilers all night and, and they were rewarded for it. And so, um, good for him. And, uh, you know, I think when he's playing, like, he, you know, he kind of has got a little bit of that attitude going. I think that's when he's at his best. And I think he drags the rest of the team along with him in some cases. How has uh, playoff hockey made Jack Eichel better? Well, you know, in game one against Winnipeg, you know, it's all new and there's a lot of hype. And the Knights really didn't have their best that night, obviously, in Winnipeg. Winnipeg, I don't know, you know, they played outstanding either, but they, they did what they had to do to get by them. And game two, I was at game two, and, and he got in a little bit of a scrum down in the corner. And, you know, it doesn't, once you start getting face washed or someone kind of punches you in the face a little bit, it kind of gets you along the, for the ride. And, and Jack Eichel, uh, a lot of people look at him and they want to compare him to this guy or that guy, but I will agree with Coach Cassidy. This guy is playing a 200-foot game now, and one of the things that I think he's done is he's been able to elevate, which all great players can do. But the thing I think has really helped him is he's going north-south. When he stepped on the gas last night and he gave Bouchard the stutter step, and Bouchard was trying to get cross over, and, he, and, and you know he lost his footing, that's because of, you know, you see McDavid do that to guys all the time. Eichel has that in his repertoire. Plus, he can play a big, heavy game. If you watch him in the corner, it's very hard for guys to run him off the puck, and he can be physical at times. So, yeah, I mean, um, if he keeps on progressing like this, things, things you know, look, look really good, not only for him, but I think for the Golden Knights in general because uh, he definitely was elite last night, and, and in the playoffs, he's been, he's been really good. I really don't know what to expect in Game 4. Because it's been so topsy turvy so far. Well, I would say the goals for tomorrow night. Obviously, anytime Edmonton loses, you know, everyone gets all spun up and they think Drysdale and McDavid are going to come out, and they will, like a shot out of a cannon. The one thing that the Vegas Golden Knights have to do tomorrow night is they have to accept that challenge but want to play their own game. Like, they have to get away from getting scored on early in the game uh, might happen, might not happen tomorrow night, but you're playing with fire when you, the op, op, opposition constantly is able to get on you early. And that's, that's how they get going. And normally, you know, whether it's through a penalty and they get a power player, you know, an odd man rush. So tomorrow night, eyebrows down right away, focus on the job at hand and, and pick up where you left off. I, I think cleaning up the first 10 minutes of the game and some of those odd man rushes, is is obviously going to be front and center, just but like I said earlier, they got to think with their feet tomorrow night. Just get their feet going. Um, Edmonton's going to get their chances; they always do. But uh, just cut stuff off as quick as you can and try to control the neutral zone because that is where Edmonton can absolutely, you know, they can dominate a game as if they get going through that neutral zone with all that skill and speed. It's funny; nobody ever scores there. But it's such an important part of the game that uh, the impact and the influence uh, of that space between the two blue lines. 
It's everything. I mean, five feet each side of the red line, or five feet each side of the blue line, or ten feet. I mean, those were games. Obviously, in front of the net and the trenches is where games are won or lost. But games turn on what happens at those places. Uh, last night, uh, and Amadio has been unreal. He he tried to make a play at the line, and and one of the, I don't know if it was a nurse or someone knocked it off their stick, and there goes Edmonton. And so their forwards are naturally going to be poaching on the side of the turnover or, you know, a, a broken play. So that's, that's just, you know, the way you have to make them come 200 feet. And once in a while, McConnell McDavid's going to go 200 feet and do something all world. you got to shake it off and carry on. And I think that's what the Knights have done a good job of in this series so far. McDavid does things like, uh, like Wayner used to do when you were had a front row seat. <laughs> well, Wayne used to think a play ahead. McDavid doesn't have to think of play. He just do. <laughs> he's already <laughs> he, ahead. Yeah, he's so far in front of. I, I, you know, and it's funny. I don't know what you guys think about this. And everybody always likes to, you know, we got to be the greatest player in the NFL. He's got to win Super Bowls and this and that. And they, you know, I'm sure the conversation is for him. He's got to win a Stanley Cup. And who knows, uh, you know, when that might happen. But um, I just I watch this guy, and I I think that. He's probably, like, I, I think he might be the greatest player. Uh, I, you know, it's up for debate, I get, but he might be the greatest player to ever play our game um, as he stands today. And, again, what a task. But the Knights are doing a good job with him so far. But trying to hang on to this guy. Um, and then he's got, you know, Dreisaitl, who's elevated his game as well. He's just uh, just so dynamic and... Uh, and he just, the more chaotic and frantic stuff gets, the better he gets. So, like I said earlier, you got to keep the genie in the bottle for as long as you can. And if the genie gets out for a bit, find a way to get them back in it as quick as you can. Um, and we saw two nights ago or three nights ago, and sometimes, uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna have games that uh, are just elevate their team to another level. Eyebrows down. Eyebrows down. Do you, ever, you know who told me that? It's Drew Shenick. When he was coaching here with the Wranglers years ago, and really? he took over for Glenn Gullitson, who's now with uh, an assistant with the uh, and doing a great job with the Oilers. Uh, Gully, yeah. So Drew Chewy came in and he said, "Sharps, I want guys that play with their eyebrows down, not their eyebrows up." So eyebrows down, and think about it, right? If you're like your eyebrows are up, you're kind of like, "Hey, what happened?" Eyebrows down, determined. See, this is a great show. We get to invent new phrases and, and or expose invent, people. Invent new words. Invent as we new words. In, Sharp, in that's why Sharps and I one. are good buddies. Because <laughs> we're leaders of the pack when it comes to uh, just educating the world and uh, hmm. and keeping people informed. Right? We, we influence uh, people, yeah. Sharps. That's right, the influencers. Yeah. With no social media or anything else. But, uh, yeah, we, uh, we, do it, uh, we do the best we can with what we have, which, yeah. you know, which is great. What else can we do? Yeah, we're we're just great people. Uh, thanks, buddy. Uh, safe uh, safe travels wherever you are uh, around this uh, this great world. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on again, guys. And anytime, uh, hope everybody has a, a great evening. Enjoys the game tomorrow. And and as we like to say in the Sharples family, love to all. <laughs> Love to you too, buddy. Jeff Sharples, uh, former National Hockey League defenseman, uh, Las Vegas, and uh, a guy that uh, was with the Las Vegas Wranglers back in the day. Uh, he's got great ties, uh, still does a lot in the great uh, hockey community uh, in the Las Vegas Valley. Yeah, and, uh, and he fans, likes to chirp. Yeah, he, he does. It's, it's great. You like to chirp him, he comes back, and yeah, 
Jeff Sharples, great person. We uh, good job, we, Jeff. We, we joke that uh, that Sharples and I we're we're like a walking rain delay. We can get you through almost anything mm-hmm. because our conversations go on for days. Uh, when we come back, uh, one timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Carlson left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for one-timers. One-timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. A lot to get to today in one-timers. Uh, update you on the early game in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Two games uh, tonight. Uh, get back at it after just having one game the last uh, couple Carolina Hurricanes and the New Jersey Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes, after losing 8-4 in Game 3, allowed the first goal tonight to Jack Hughes and the Devils, but have ripped off five unanswered, including four in five minutes of the second period. And the Carolina Hurricanes appear to be cruising towards a 3-1 series lead against the New Jersey Devils. Another example of the craziness in the Stanley Cup playoffs from one game to the next. It's a lot of great series, Mm -hmm. but the games themselves are just so diametrically opposite from Mm. one night to the next. That's a good good phrase. Uh, Yeah, you're you're right. It's... uh, It is curious how these things tend to happen, how you've got such lopsided affairs game to game and you have teams kind of swapping those scores back and forth. But, you know, I look at the Carolina Hurricanes and, you know, Frederick Anderson obviously has had a strong game so far in this one. Uh, They weren't even sure he was going to play. And that's Antiranta was was back and healthy and they thought he might go back in. Yeah. And then you've also got uh, Kochetkov there waiting in the wings, uh, hoping for an opportunity. But, you know, I think for the Devils, the, the question mark that we had about them going into the playoffs is the question mark that is holding them back right now at the moment. And that is, you know, Vitek Vanacek allows four goals in five minutes, and it's it was shaky from from Vanacek. I haven't so, seen the goals, so I don't want to it, say anything. It, it to me shaky goaltending, and the fact of the matter is, like you you can't you can't win. I don't believe, and we'll see how things end up going the rest of the game if the Devils are able to mount a, a serious comeback. But I, I don't think the New Jersey Devils are going to win when they allow five goals to the Carolina Hurricanes. The Carolina is just too buttoned up defensively to allow. Um, Another out goal, out uh, eight goal outburst uh, for the Devils. The uh, Carolina Hurricanes scored four the other night. Three of them were shorthanded. It was a crazy mm-hmm. game. Uh, we're unable to win that one. But the I, I always hate to criticize goalies, even if the the score is lopsided. If you don't see the goals, mm-hmm. if they're bad, and I don't I don't know the goal pucks are going in from everywhere right now. Uh, Dallas Stars against the Seattle Kraken. They will play game four tonight with the Dallas Stars trying to even up that set at two wins apiece. Given Seattle won 7-2 in Game 3, I expect a 6-1 victory for the Dallas Stars tonight. You know, I might not be wrong on that. I'll be honest, I think that this is going to be a close game. I really do. I I don't expect that it's going to be another one of those high-scoring affairs, but... That being said, what, I, I, what makes you think that? I just—it's just a feeling that I have. I—I I can't explain it to you. I just have the sense going into this game. 
that it's going to be closer between Dallas and Seattle. You I may end up being right, but there's I, nothing to I, indicate that that's well, going to be the case. I mean, Jake Ottinger indicates that might be the case, right? Like, I think that he'll bounce back. I don't think that Jake's had too many bad games in a row, so I'll, I'll lean on the uh, on the side of... Well, this is about I'll, where he got going against uh, the Minnesota I'll, Wild. I'll lean on the side of a, of a good goaltender being a good goaltender. I said it at the beginning of the series. I don't think that the Kraken are going to be able to score enough consistently on Ottinger to win the series. Wow. So I'm expecting a big game out of Jake Ottinger. And Philip Grubauer, to his credit, has been really, really good. Not sure if Miro Haskinen's going. If he's not, I think that impacts Dallas's ability to move the puck up the ice and get good quality scoring chances. So I just feel like with all those factors going into this game, it'll probably be a closer game. I think you're just taking a wild stab at it. Because none of that mattered. A wild stab at it. Uh, one of the great goals uh, of all time. Look it up. 72 Summit Series. Wild stab at it. Yeah, I don't uh, think Toronto anybody, in, I don't think anybody in America cares about the Summit no. Series, to uh, be honest with you. It, it, that does not bother me one bit yeah. because I... I know it's like the pinnacle of Canadian sporting it. events, but sure I don't think anyone really cares Toronto about it. Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Florida Panthers will go at it uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Toronto trying to stay alive <laughs> down 3 nothing against the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Joseph Wall, mm-hmm. the rookie. Mm-hmm. He's going to go, even though there was some talk that Ilya Samsonov might be able to uh, regroup and get his shoulder, I think it's a shoulder, uh, back in and be able to go. So they're going to go with the rookie. Facing yeah. elimination. But why not? Why not? Oh. Director of hockey uh, strategy over there. Gabriel um. Landeskog out for the season for the Colorado Avalanche. He's going to have cartilage transplant mm-hmm. surgery. Yeah on his knee, mm-hmm. which means he's going to miss two complete seasons yeah. with the Colorado Avalanche. That's terrible. Yeah, not great. Um, I mean, obviously, you you feel bad for, for Gabe Landeskog. You, you saw kind of what the Colorado Avalanche were up against without him all season this year, and now you, you're kind of looking at that again for next season. Uh, the obvious is that you, you hope that the procedure is successful and that Gabe is able to get back after next season. Um, but it, it that just sounds um, sounds rough. Cartilage replacement surgery. I don't like want to transplant do that. surgery. Yeah, I don't want to do that. That is ooh. Uh, we have the 32 team nominees for the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. Uh, mm-hmm. The King Clancy Trophy is presented to the player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and has made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution to the community. Uh, Riley Smith is the Vegas Golden Knights nominee, and you see a lot of that in the battle for Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been a mainstay here for Riley Smith, the the Vegas Golden Knights, the Las Vegas Raiders. It's uh, it's a really a, a fun thing to do um, in the off season, and it you know that was something that was important to Riley. So I think it's well deserved. We have the Masterton nominees finalists. Mm-hmm have been uh, announced as the National Hockey League uh, works its way towards the year-end awards and the ceremony uh, that's going to take place in Nashville ahead of the draft. Clayton Keller of the Arizona Coyotes, Chris Letang from the Pittsburgh Penguins, and Alex Daylock uh, named the finalist. Uh, Alex Daylock uh, from the Chicago Blackhawks. The award presented uh, exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. Yeah, it's one all, of the great, uh, great awards. Yeah, it, it absolutely is, um, and and all three absolutely deserving. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. I would never win that one. Yeah, we know sportsmanship. We're aware. The perseverance, I could do. You would, you would win an award for making up words. Dedication, I could do. 
the the but Darren is Shakespeare Award. Perseverance? No, yeah. I love making up words. Yeah, I know. It's cool. We're aware. It just happens all the time. Sound it out. Yeah. What was my word today? You don't even Addressment? remember it? Yeah, Addressment? Yeah, you with added a, a, with a Y, y to yeah, it. Yeah, that, well, that's Sound you it s- out, but I've changed it. That's the way you you say it and so spell, spell it. it. No, Addressment? No, no, you, you spell it for With us a Y right instead of an E. It's easy. The first E that you would think in Addressment is actually a Y. It's like it's so obvious for you guys. Connor Bedard. Uh-huh. Do you see that the Colorado or Chicago Blackhawks made $5 million in ticket revenue? I did. Since they won the draft lottery? Be awesome if they just selected Adam Fantilli. I just I had a gut feeling that Chicago was going to do it yeah. given the the transition from Taves and Kane. I just had this weird feeling about that. Uh, nothing against Anaheim or Columbus. It just it was it was non at me. Yeah, I'll tell you if there's a team that I feel like deserved it more than any of the others, it would probably be the Columbus Blue Jackets. Real tough situation as to why they were so so bad this year. Um, and I if there was a if there was a place outside of Philadelphia I didn't want Connor Bedard to go, it would be Chicago. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to get back on that draft lottery show. Okay. Talking the National Hockey League. We had some good times. I think I heard your voice on the, you did? Uh, on the, oh, yeah, on you the did. program yesterday. You did. Yeah. Absolutely. I was like, hey, I know that guy. Yeah. He makes up words. It happens all the time. He skates like McDavid and shoots like Matthews. Mm-hmm. I have no idea when and what platform I said that on. Oh, really? No idea. You have no clue? No. So nobody, nobody asked you if they could use that? No. That doesn't sound like you. You're on Cameo. No, I. Uh, you got to pay for those nuggets. I was not. I was not consulted with that. I, wow. It might have been. Now this this would make sense. It might have been on the Chirp Podcast, uh-huh. which is done done in conjunction with the National Hockey League. Yeah. Which means they would have rights to use that. Wow. So that's that's fitting. You got uh, You got to find a way to. But it is. It is. It is pretty one. cool though, it, and it's accurate. He skates like McDavid mm-hmm. and shoots like Matthews. What's What's a realistic? And I know we're we're probably going like what. What's your realistic expectation for Bedard year one? Points? Yeah. 75. Okay. See see what he did in his 15-year-old year compared to what Crosby did mm-hmm. or what uh, uh, McDavid did? Mm-hmm. It's like crazy the difference in points. What? These are the best players in the world yeah. in comparison. I know the game's more offensive now, but well, I mean, Crosby was a hundred-point player year one. It's uh, it's and and the the performance by Connor Bedard right up there in achievable feats that you would not consider possible, mm-hmm. not possible. And he moved all the way across the world uh, from Vancouver over to Regina. Those are your one-timers news notes from around the National Hockey League. We've got uh, the final thoughts coming up on Fox Sports Las Vegas. That was One Timers. One Timers. Brought to you by Paul Pata Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. All right. You want to do this? Justice? A little catching up, sure. Chapman. Do you have anything uh, planned? Jared Justice in the studio today. I mean, not really. I did just look up a bunch of things about this Summit series, which apparently in America is a, like, 
consulting media firm, but apparently in <laughs> in Canada it was a uh, some something to do with the Russians. We, an eight game series, Canada Russia. Yeah, we nineteen seventy two. Yeah, we yep. had a similar thing in this country um, where we, we we beat them. It was called Miracle on Ice mm-hmm. for Olympic gold. Yeah, you like it meant something. Yeah. As I tell people, it wasn't an international friendly. As I tell people, <laughs> if 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 we made a movie, means nothing. <laughs> if we here. made a movie every mm-hmm. time we won Olympic gold in hockey, mm-hmm. we'd never get out of the theater. Right. That's the way I compare the two. Uh, so that's uh, that's good. Good job uh, tracking down the uh, Summit Series uh, tomorrow. It's a later start, eight o'clock start local in Edmonton. So a seven o'clock start here Mm -hmm. uh, for everybody watching or listening. Uh, The pregame show will go from 6 to 7 with Ryan Wallace. That means we get a full BGK Insider show tomorrow from 4 to 6. So that's going to be great. We also have the BGK Realm Report streamed live. A lot of content from Edmonton with Ashley Weiss and Dave Gosher. Shane Knighty will be on that. 1 o'clock on all the VGK channels. Looking forward to that, and it'll be available all day. So that's 1 o'clock, and then we've got uh, the VGK Insider Show at 4, and then the pregame show at 6, and then the game at 7. It's like wall-to-wall VGK. Yep. Dynamite drop-in, Monty. You're not the best co-host for nothing. Aren't you out and about tomorrow? Don't (laughs) you have a remote to promote? I'm hanging out with Buffalo Wild Wings up north, 215. And Durango, so come on down, say hello, hang out with me, because I'm going to be having a lot of fun. With Ranch Dressing. The Golden Knights trying to take a 3-1 series lead, stay perfect on the road.